0: Alrighty, folks. Welcome to episode number one hundred and fifty-five of YWC Football Talk. And with me today, uh, this is—I'm going to call this episode Take Two for right now because <laughs> Take Two from last week. Once again, from Locked On Cardinals, Alex Clancy is back with me. Alex, uh, how are we doing today?
1: Oh man, just chilling.
0: Chilling. Yeah, I, I know it's a Monday. It's chilling. The com. Last week when we talked, because basically, folks, the original story was Alex and I recorded last week. The audio came out. I couldn't release to you guys. I would be doing a disservice by doing that. So it is what it is. But we're here back again. But last week was the combine. Now the combine's passed. Other craziness and stuff. But from – I want to get – before we talk Kyler, I want to ask you about the combine quickly. Who from the combine impressed you? Like, that you could see, like, when you look right away and you're like, I want him in red and white next year.
1: Zion Johnson. That's who I want. And I know Jordan Davis – you know, the interesting thing about Jordan Davis, he was the bell of the ball, uh, the inside defensive lineman from – interior defensive lineman from Georgia. Yes, like. He's a two down guy. I, I've done research. Like I, you know, I don't, I don't go super inside football when it comes to packages and things like that. I talk more theory and opinion, um, yeah. but he's a guy that's on the field, two downs out of four, potentially maybe three, if it's a fourth down situation, but the dude is an absolute mauler. Having said that he doesn't, the defensive line doesn't protect the quarterback. So when I saw Zion Johnson, he plays guard. You could fit him in for Justin Pugh. He's played some tackle. Like, that is a no-brainer. DJ Humphries, Zion Johnson, Rodney Hudson, left side of the offensive line. And if you bring back Kelvin Beecham, that is almost a fully formed offensive line to protect Kyler Murray in perpetuity. So I think that that's there. And then, you know, of course, the Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave and, um, you know, it's... I'm really trying to stay, eat your vegetables, eat your vegetables, eat your vegetables, because it doesn't matter how good your receiving court is if you can't protect the quarterback. So, um, yeah, I would say offensive lineman.
0: It's pretty much like that meme where the guy is holding hands with his girl, but then he's, like, turning around and being like, oh, look at that right there. It's so like, I understand. It's like you want wide receiver, like you said. You want to eat your vegetables for dessert. I remember you and I brought that up a bunch last week. Mm-hmm. But, look, Z- I also do, I like Zion Johnson because I feel like he's a guy that's going to be there at 23. I still feel like with the wide receivers, it wouldn't shock me if you see a team make a drastic leap to go get one of these guys because these guys really showed out. Plus two a lot of the Georgia uh, defensive linemen as well.
1: Yeah. And it's interesting. Like what the the thing is like, there are very good wide receivers in this draft and there are a bunch of really good wide receivers in this draft. So it's like, do you want to use your first round pick on a potential Jalen Rager or Denzel Mims? Like, are you comfortable with that? Yeah. Wide receivers over the last two seasons, it shows have shown so much growth before getting into the combine, showing like their NFL receivers in college, Drake, London, etc. where, yes. you know, they're, re- they're going to be ready to play. Um, You can't miss on a wide receiver at 23. Like if you draft a wide receiver at 23 and it's, it, and he's a you know, proverbial bust that brings you that not only doesn't better your lineup, it doesn't better protection for Kyler Murray. It takes you a step back into the Steve kind of special of not being able to utilize the first round pick to the Cardinals advantage. So I think the margin for error is not as razor thin. If you draft an offensive lineman, than it is if you draft a wide receiver and he just doesn't work out at the pro level.
0: Exactly. Exactly. And plus two with wide receiver the last couple of years, we've seen there's going to be guys available day two that can come in and fill your lineup. Like look at guys like T Higgins, like a Michael Pittman jr. A wide receiver. I'm particularly fond of even last year, Elijah Moore with the New York jets. There's, So with a team like yours with the Cardinals case, I feel like, yeah, you can get an offensive lineman day one. He's going to come in. He's going to make a starting impact right away. And then you can get a guy who can come in on day two that you can do the same sort of impact. Because we obviously saw the Andy Isabella's requesting a trade. The Christian Kirk situation, we don't know exactly what's going to happen there. But you need someone who I feel compliment DeAndre Hopkins. And at the same time, too, I don't know how comfortable you are taking on Rondell more and more of a wide receiver, two, or if you still feel like he's the wide receiver three on this roster.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. That, that's that's a good point because um, if Rondell Moore, <laughs> so Another like, day two guy. <laughs> yeah, but and Rondell Moore had two good games last year. One where he had 11 receptions and under 75 yards. That's the Jarvis Landry in Miami stat line. Like, um, and he had a, he had a bonkers game against Minnesota. So, just like what the Cardinals should be doing with, with and it's yet to be determined yet. Should be doing with Zavan Collins and Isaiah Simmons, looking at what happened with Hassan Reddick in his last year where he flourished and then went somewhere else right when they found the right spot for him. They need to figure that out with Rondell Moore instead of seeing a Christian Kirk career where Christian Kirk then goes to go somewhere else and will probably thrive. They need to figure it out now. And if you can bring in a wide receiver in the second round, or if you you know sign one in free agency, you could maybe move Rondell Moore into that full-time slot role where he could just run rough shot. Against linebackers and DBs, so we'll never be able to catch up to him because he's so fast. But if you're going to use the behind the line of scrimmage crap, is the only way you're going to use Rondell Moore. It's a fool's errand, you know. So it, they need to see what they've made mistakes with. or you know haven't capitalized on as quickly as they should have with the likes of Hassan Redick and, and Christian Kirk, and utilize that. So it's not another cautionary tale with the two linebackers and wide receiver they have now, respectively.
0: Exactly. Exactly. One hundred percent. Like you said, you want to make sure. Look, if you're going to get the guy, you got to utilize him properly. If you keep using him just for one mindset and one game plan, you're only limiting on what he can potentially do on your roster.
1: Yep, exactly right.
0: And now I want to transition to the meat and potato stuff. I'm going to bring up the graphic, the Kyler Murray situation. Look, it's developed since we last talked. Um, we're hearing now more reports. I believe it was Albert Brewer came out and said it's gonna get uglier before it gets better. And you're hearing now the reports of, oh, will he even show up and report to training camp? OTAs. I could see OTAs maybe he doesn't show up or maybe he's like there under protest, but I can't see him completely boycotting the team or pulling like an Ezekiel Elliott going to Cabo a couple of years ago.
1: Yeah, no, I agree with that. I mean, I think that you know what's interesting, like I think he should get paid. I think he's their future. Um and this is something where I don't <laughs> I don't remember I, I watch a lot of planet Earth. I watched a lot of David Attenborough um, it, and there's this one place in the world I can't remember where two like oceans meet. I don't know if it's a Pacific the Atlantic I have no idea but the but like the minerals are different so the water is different colors and they they go like this but they don't mix across with each other. That's what the Cardinals brass and their players are like now. Old school front office, new school video gamer quarterback yep. doing it all through social media which is how it happens now. The his agent, that's how they leverage things to social media, and that's not how the Cardinals do business. So when it comes to it, it's kind of it's not an oil and water because they both want the same thing, but it's just it's just ickier yeah. than maybe it should be. I think he's a leader, I think he's gonna show up. I don't know if it's gonna be OTAs, I think they're gonna try and get a get a job, get a deal done, and I think the Cardinals need to come halfway as well and be like, you know what? New age, this isn't normal, but and this isn't normal, and they could save money in the long run by doing it now. Like, there are financial upsides to doing this, and I know it's going to mess with the cap this year. If anybody thinks that the salary cap is a hard cap, even though it's technically supposed to be, that's a fool's errand thinking that, because they can make anything work, dummy years, signing bonus, you know, whatever it is, they can make it work. So do I think it's going to be smooth? No. Do I think he's going to be playing with a new contract by week one of 2022? Yes.
0: Exactly. I feel like he will have that new contract. I feel I feel the exact same way. I think this is going to get done. Um, I think in an ideal world, they're going to try to get done though before the draft, before they go. Well, not they go to Vegas, but the draft goes to Vegas, which is, in, I believe, seven weeks from now, which is kind of crazy to think about. Um, but yeah, for the most part, look, they got to realize he's the leader. He's the future. Look, we do things one way. He does things another way. But yeah, you're right. You got to come in the middle. You got to agree upon things because they realize look, he is the one guy that you can develop in-house. And we all know the Cardinals have struggled when it comes to developing in-house quarterbacks. We know the Josh Rosen experiment, John Skelton, Kevin Kopp, um, Matt Leiner, it's another name that comes to mind. All names that uh, I remember you were saying last week, and I stored up here. But um, for the most part with this team, though, no, you're right. You're realizing you're at a point, too, where, look, the Rams, who knows how much longer they're going to be this good for because of trading all their draft capital. The Niners, will see what they are. And the Seahawks, I still believe they're headed towards a rebuild even though i feel like they're not a, they don't want to admit it so i feel like look lock your quarterback up and the rest will fill itself in
1: yeah you know you you, you hope that that's going to be the case there's a couple of things yeah. that it will lend to tangentially one if you have a quarterback that's locked up wide receivers know who the quarterback's going to be and you have you know running backs and whoever whatever they're going to do and offensive linemen, and you know defense you know what i want to play defense for that quarterback because yeah. Kyler shown, I call them "Oh My God" moments, where you know what he's capable of. Okay, and you he's strung together enough "Oh My God" moments where it's like, okay, he's going to be around for a long time, you know. And when it comes to the other thing that's important is him signing a contract shows a unified front, and I feel like that. And I know that this is super cliche, but owner GM. Star quarterback, all on the same page. That's a good thing for a team that has kind of had a tough go the last two ends of, of two seasons. It's like, you know what? Yeah, we had a little, a little tiff. We are all together now. We are all moving forward together and we are ready to win. Who wants to come play with us?
0: I, I feel the exact same way. Just because, look, I know from experience, I've told you last week, I'm a Pats fan. And I know through readings now and stuff through books that have come out. That the Pats had a similar thing where, look, you had Kraft, you had Belichick, and you had Brady. All of them at times, they had riffs with each other, Kraft and Belichick, Belichick, Brady. Look, there was times where it's even more of a working relationship than a whole, you know, coach-to-player relationship. But they managed to, you know, say, hey, let's get this all together. Let's make everyone happy, and let's go out there and win. So when you have everyone like that on the same page, like we're seeing it right now, too, with, for example, the uh, Hunt, Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, they're all on the same page. They're all clicking. And now every NFL team is trying to follow that module to where they know, hey, if we can make everyone in-house happy, it's only going to lead to on-field success. Because I still feel like off-field troubles are very underrated when it comes to how much it can truly affect a football team. I still don't think it's talked about enough.
1: Yeah, no, it's true. I mean, you know, it's just like it looked like they had everything figured out midway through the season. Yeah. You know, Cliff Kingsbury, everything, the play calling, um, you know, uh, not having many boneheaded plays in key situations and Kyler Murray flourishing and the defense flourishing and Byron Murphy, CB1 and Steve Kime and Michael Bidwell laughing and all this stuff. And Matt Prater, like everything was yeah. working. And then, you know, AJ, AJ Green doesn't turn around because they've only played six games together. Heaven forbid they don't have, you know, everything figured out in six games between he and Kyler Murray and Rasul Douglas, who the, who the, Cardinals had just cut who the pa- the Packers had picked up on the practice roster, makes the game-winning interception, the Kim- clinching interception. They still go 10-2, and two, and then the wheels fall off. It's This is a learning process for Kyler Murray. It's a learning process for him being a leader. It's a learning process for Steve Kime trying to put an organization together that's made up of more than just pseudo-busted draft picks and one-year deals. Yeah, You know, and that's, that's where we are. And one off season that's solid and Kyler Murray taking a step forward and having that contract and having more than just a vote of, you know, Josh Rosen confidence from Steve Kime and Cliff Kingsbury, where that ended up on him being traded for Andy Isabella or we you know a second round pick, that's what's needed here to kind of put the super glue in the cracks of the foundation to try to keep this stuff together. I don't know if I answer your question. No, no,
0: no, you did, you did, you did. just because, like, like you're right, you look at it where, hey, they started 7-0, they went 10-2, maybe if they had won, say, the Green Bay game or the Carolina game, we'd have be having a different conversation, but I feel like, I always have this issue with the Cardinals, where I thought, look, hey, you make the playoffs, you see what happens, obviously the playoff game didn't go well, but this year, though, for 2022, I truly feel like with Arizona, it's, hey, win a playoff game, make it to the divisional rounds, see what happens, maybe screw around when uh, I'm trying my best not to. I know I, I I'm going to put this to you lightly. I curse things a lot on my show. I just try not to swear like a sailor. Um, you screw around. You maybe, you know what, Hey, win a divisional game, make it to the NFC championship game. Let's say I'm only saying the two because the landscape of the NFC by this time next week could be completely changed. We don't know what's going to be going on with a lot of these quarterbacks. So I feel like if the Cardinals were to make a run, it would be now. But if you say, if there's, you win the wild card you win your wild card game whether it's the division winner or your wild card team you lose in the divisional round though i wouldn't see it as a lost season i would see it more as keep on making progress but i feel like as you keep winning that's when the pressure keeps on mounting to get even further
1: yeah you know i wouldn't have extended both steve kiming and cliff kingsbury you know i wouldn't have um i don't know why 5 5 years is so long um i don't know what's wrong with having a a, a sitting duck quarterback and gm who have to prove themselves one more time that they're not gonna fold under pressure the last half of a season. Like I don't know why they extended them. Um so that kind of might mar a little bit the expectations for this year because they have so much time now, which I, I think was completely unwarranted at this point. I think they needed to show show a little bit more before they got their extension. Um we're you know we're constantly saying oh you know what well it's better than they've done in recent history. The Cardinals organization has been a laughing stock since nineteen whatever you know they okay they won championships in chicago like since moving to phoenix they've been a terrible organization they made one super bowl chris collins were said they were the worst team to ever make the super bowl coming in as a wild card team and i that, that's up for interpretation rex grossman but like when you have no expectations because of how bad this organization has been it kind of skews things so you can kind of to talk out of both sides of your mouth. Well, they deserved an extension because they've done better than, you know, besides the Bruce Arians years. Like, but now if they don't win 10 games next year, there's real conversations like, what the hell are we doing here? Yeah. You know, and it wasn't a fluke what happened last year. Yes. A bunch of balls bounced their way. I think they had the most fumbles through the first seven or eight or 10 weeks And they only—I think it was 18—and they only lost two. Like the balls were literally bouncing the Cardinals' way and out of the way of their uh, of their opponents. But if they only win 10 games this year, they go 10 and seven, and they make the playoffs and don't win a playoff game, what are we doing? If they do win a playoff game, we're having, as you mentioned, we're having a different conversation. But this offseason is paramount. Again, like we said, this Groundhog's Day, Bill Murray—that they need to have a solid. A free agency they need to have an above average draft and then they may be in a very good spot to win you say that about any organization like what happened with the Bengals this year so I don't know like they have holes everywhere but they're not you know massive ones like they used to be they're you know page things what do they call come on help me the, the the punch out the three the, Oh three hole punch yeah they're a hole punch, hole punch they're not yeah. they're not the Grand Canyon like they were in 2018 so it's getting better but the holes still need to be filled
0: yeah no I am just gonna pop up the graphic because I want to talk about it too mm. I like I think I like I think Cliff's an okay coach I think he's there but I feel like this is kind of like giving them the con- him and kind the contracts is kind of like you know rewarding the F student for getting a C minus does that make any sense? I'm not trying to say they're bad at their jobs. I'm just trying to say, okay, you made the playoffs, you did this. And hey, we're going to give you and we're going to take you out to McDonald's because you did that. like like for my kid metaphor. The kid that constantly gets really bad grades, they manage to get a C and they, you know, the parents like, "Hey, you know what? We're going to take you out. We're going to get you a 20-piece McNugget and stuff like that and we're going to and we're going to shower you with ice cream afterwards." Meanwhile, I feel like if they'd gone into this off-season, Bidwell goes to them and the guys basically says, "Hey, look, this is the year make the playoffs, actually perform and win a game in the playoffs. Otherwise, it's sayonara to the both of you because we all know, and I've bought into this theory, that if you're going to fire a head coach, you've got to fire the GM too because if you fire one or the other, its I know Kime's been there longer than Cliff, but I feel like if you want to have a fresh start with an organization, you can't just keep, like say for example, fire Kime, keep Cliff, because then eventually that GM's going to want to fire Cliff, then to bring in his own guy. So basically what I'm trying to get at is, Look, this year should have been an ultimatum where it's like, "Hey, you gotta perform or you gotta get out."
1: Yeah, no, that's, I mean that's fair, and I, I, it's, I don't know why, I don't know why they gave him five-year deal. And like, okay, I mean, there's a couple different things you can look at. It one, sure, it's not our money. Okay, I get it. Yeah. Absolutely, that argument is dumb. Uh, number two, it doesn't go get to salary cap. Absolutely true, valid, but also kind of dumb because yeah. what you're doing is you're mortgaging the future of this organization by putting this organization in a position to potentially have to fire a head coach and GM, not 40% of the way through their new extension, which starts at the end of this upcoming season. So say they win eight games this year. Now what you're going to run it back. You're going to fire them before the extension even comes into play. No. So the former is going to happen. Why are we doing this? Why are we experiencing this now? As you mentioned, like and it's funny, bring up the, the, uh, the student thing, like my thing about Steve Kime is Steve Kime is a procrastinating student who gets passing grades. He does okay in the, in free agency. You know, he studies a little bit in the, in in the beginning of the semester Then he just doesn't until the week before finals draft totally punts on the draft. And then we'll make some trades before the trade deadline. And then he ends up getting a C minus because he procrastinated and crammed before the, before the, the test actually happened. So it's interesting. Yeah. I mean, it's just, I don't know, man. Um, you hope for good things. You hope that Michael Bidwell knows what he's doing. You hope that they both deserve this because by the numbers they did over last season. I just think the extent of it is, in, it, it's. In, it, I mean, it's insane. Um, and the timing of it, like it doesn't bother me that they got an extension before Kyler Murray did when Kyler Murray has the potential of opting out. I don't think that that's the wrong timing for it. I just think the extent, the length of it is is. doing the same thing expecting different results.
0: Exactly. It's like, like, I believe you tweeted this last week when the, they did sign and it said basically the definition of Sandy, the same thing, Arizona Cardinals definition of Sandy, which we all know is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result each time. Like this team is like, it's a team. Like I told you, look, I'm, I've been a bit of a quasi Kyler Murray fan. I kind of always kind of cheered for the Cardinals. Um, sometimes do so I watch the, uh, it's kind of like the Red Sea or something. It's the YouTube like docu series that they produce. Sometimes it comes up in my timeline. So I'll watch it. But I just feel like with this team, you base you nailed the Steve Kine metaphor more than me. I feel like Cliff is. Team effort. A, yeah, it's a team <laughs> effort. How about that? It's an Alex and Griff combined effort. Yeah. But with Cliff, I feel like it's his third year. there's always been the steps there. So I feel like he was more warrant of it warranted of it than Kine. But I feel like with those two, if you don't extend if you extend one and not the other, it can cause a rift. So I feel like they gave them both contract extensions you say, hey guys, you know what? good job here you go. Boom, end of the season. But I do agree with you. If they had given this maybe a two- to three-year extension, I feel like it wouldn't be as problematic, say, if after 2023 it's time to change it up and you have to fire both of them. Now, if you fire both of them, say, even in 2024, you're still on the hook for three years of paying them. And that just at that point, it looks horrible at Michael Bidwell.
1: Yep, it does. Now, you know, I don't know if he cares. If he's cool with dropping all that cheese and them not being, I mean, he did it with Steve Wilkes and Al, you know, and Al Holcomb, and yeah. see, like you talk about the head coach getting fired and the and the GM not, there was a case where that happened. Um, you know, it's it, and and that would have been the time to fire Steve Kime was after the 2018 season. The fact that he lived through that, I mean, he's going to get. I call it the Bill Self contract. Bill Self gets investigated, you know, in in some sort by the by the FBI for you know, uh, you know, tampering and and yeah. Recruiting issues. And he gets a lifetime contract with Kansas. Like that's what Steve Kime is getting. He's failing forward continuously. And then, yeah, what's happened last year saved his job, but you know, I don't think that warrants a contract extension. Just I just don't. And listen, I could be completely wrong. We could go into this season and say, you know what? Wow. He's really changed. This is going to be the first time ever where he's going to have a good draft one through seven rounds, not just drafting Buda Baker. And then, you know, that Buda Baker was his dr- best draft pick. It was the most because Kyler Murray was unopposed. Nobody was going to draft Kyler Murray at number one overall. I don't understand why people don't understand that. Buddha Baker, he traded up to the top of the second round to get Buda Baker because he went after a guy. And that was the only really good... DJ Humphries was a good draft pick too, but that was the only really, you know what, Stevie baby, that was the home run that means that shows why you're the GM here. That was the only one he's really ever had. If you look at it, the only eye popping draft pick he's ever had was Buda Baker.
0: And that's something crazy to think about. Cause you're right. Twenty thirteen. Like, yeah. Yep. Yeah, 2013. But even to a DJ Humphreys, it was, it was one of those deals where he didn't work out. He was, he was fine in his rookie deal, but it was his, when he got his second contract is when he started to play better. So it was one of those picks where it's got a bit of an asterisk on it. Because even if you still, if you look at Kimes draft history up until Kyler Murray and Isaiah Simmons, the first round wasn't exactly all peachy. Like, there was a lot of like, – every. Single no, it was terrible. Was, it was terrible. Like, Jonathan yeah. Cooper was the first one, but then again, he, they're not the only team was really to have struck out in 2013. Team. No, was i to saying 20? Really yeah. Oh, sorry to cut you off, but 2013's got, like, that asterisk on it where it was, just, like, purely offensive linemen and, like, defensive linemen and guys who aren't even in the league anymore.
1: Yeah, and, I mean, on top of that, like, I mean, Jonathan Cooper had a compound fracture of his – of his leg. So it's just like, well, if he could have been good and he wasn't, I mean, he was a journeyman. He went, I don't even know. I can't remember where he went. I think he went to Miami. I think he went to to Dallas. I think he was in Cleveland for 10 seconds. So yeah, I don't know. He was That's
0: on the something. other side. Fun fact. He was on the other side of the Chandler Jones trade, to uh, Arizona.
1: Oh, there you go. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. He
0: played for us for a little bit. And then he kind of just decided mm-hmm. like, or not decided, like, I think we just ended up cutting him or something. And then I remember him having a cu- cup, cup of coffee in Cleveland, uh, is the best metaphor. Um, But with free agency a week away, is there like one piece you're looking to add or is it more or less just, uh, you know, a plug the holes where need be? Or is there like a certain player you're eyeing where you're like, I want to see him on the field in Glendale come September?
1: I mean, just... No. I I don't, like, I just, like, there's not a... Well, okay, so there's one, and this is just... This is because I've loved this player forever. And I think he'd be a great addition to this team as Jamison Crowder. And the reason why is he would, he's a, he's a, a Steve, a, a, a Kyler Murray special. Like he's yeah. a shortened route version of Christian Kirk. And the only thing is like with Rondo more, like he would be an ancillary piece. He wouldn't be the big get, obviously he's not going to garner that much money. Uh, he and Rondo Moore kind of are the same, but Jamison Crowder is a bona fide possession receiver when he's on the field, he is electric, even though, you know, he's pushing 30, I would still happily sign Jamison Crowder. Like that, that's a big name. And you got to think like during this offseason, they're not going to have a lot of money to spend. So you're going to have to find guys that are pieces to the puzzle that are going to complement and not be world beaters. They're not going to go out and sign Chris Godwin, you know? And I don't yeah. know, like, like it's, there's gonna be a lot of franchise tagging that's going to go elsewhere that, you know, the Carls are going to miss out on a lot of receivers. But I think it's got to be a veteran wide receiver. I think that's going to be my my thing. Unless they want to trade for Saquon Barkley or something, give up a third or fourth round pick for Saquon Barkley, which I would love. Like, if they could trade Saquon Barkley for a third round pick, that would be a home run for me. That would be a home run for me.
0: Yeah, I feel like getting anyone getting Saquon Barkley would be a home run. Hell, even Christian McCaffrey's available right now on the – on the trade talks, apparently. Apparently, teams are calling Carolina about him. Um, but no, I agree with you on your take with Crowder, just because for, I, the cap this year did come out, I believe, at $208.5 mm-hmm. So it's a pretty good amount. But at the same time, too, you know, with teams that are not exactly strapped for cash, but the teams that can't go out and ball or out and spend, like the New York Jets, like the LA Chargers. We'll see what Spanos does, because we know he's cheap. But I feel like for you guys, it's like, yeah, you want those pieces they may not look, and this is going to be a weird term, sexy on paper, but if they perform on the field, it's a win for the Cardinals fan base. And it's a win for Steve Kime that, Hey, he was able to bring in this guy and he was able to contribute to this team.
1: Yeah. Right. And I mean, you're looking at DeAndre Hopkins, hopefully back fully healthy, you know, by the start of the season. I don't know why he wouldn't be, um, I'm assuming they're not going to bring back AJ green. So there is a massive hole at wide receiver too. And, if they go into the season, think, like, unless, you know, you, if you draft one at 23, like, the Cardinals, they need a plan. <laughs> yeah. And I don't know what the plan is, even if it's a terrible plan. I just hope they have a plan to execute. Like, I, I go back and forth, and I've got Bo Brock, my co-host. Um, he, he and I go back and forth, like, do the Cardinals need to double up hard? Like, do they need to d- sign a blue chip, say wide receiver, hypothetically speaking, yeah. sign a blue chip wide receiver, and then draft Drake London at 23? Like, do they – because the Cardinals don't have a strength, it's aside from safeties. Like, Jalen Thompson and Buda Baker are, if not the best one-two punch at safety, top three in my estimation, okay? They don't have a strength otherwise. It's not wide receivers. It's not running back. It, it's kind of offensive line. It's not interior defensive line. It's not cornerbacks. It's not linebacker. Like, where is it? So they need to figure out, are you going to fill a bunch of different holes or are you just going be like, you know what? This is the part of this team – that opposing teams will fear and they can do both. They just need to have a flipping plan and execute it.
0: Basically what you're trying to say is you don't want to have the plan where you throw shit at a wall and expect it to stick. You need something where, you know what, you're going to, you need to just get a plan, tape it down and be like, this is what we're doing. This is what we're going to go by. We're not going to go off our draft board because that's the other point I want to make about Crowder fantasy darling, by the way, Yeah, is like fantasy football drafts. Cause obviously look, I believe – I'm going to guess you do fantasy football. I'm a big fantasy Mm -hmm. football guy. I mean, anyone who watches the NFL, look, you should be doing fantasy football. That's that's just my take. Um, It's like when you you see a guy that you want, and then he gets taken like three picks before you, so you have to scramble, and then you just get someone, and you're like, hey, you know what's a good substitute, and then that player doesn't work out. That's what you need to avoid if you're the Arizona Cardinals. Basically, what I'm saying is, Steve Kime, don't panic under pressure. If a player that you want to draft gets taken and make a move that you're going to regret – A.K.A. what the Packers did with um, Jordan Love because Brandon Ayuk went the pick before.
1: Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's... I mean, this is, again, definition of insanity. Like, if 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 they can target somebody... Like, Steve Kime, you know, I, I've given him a lot of flag. And I think rightfully so. I mean, I've... It's... He needs to stop thinking he's the smartest person in the room and show that he is. Because the Zayvon Collins pick, we'll see, you know, we'll yeah. see. Um, ain't nobody else targeting Zayvon Collins before the Cardinals. So that reach, and I know they only have a first round pick, and I know, that, you know, he's not going to be there in the second round. Like, I understand all of that. I That computes. I get it. And the Cardinals didn't need a linebacker. They needed an offensive lineman. They needed a corner. You know, they needed other things. And Steve Conn was like, you know, we're going to take a 6'4 guy. We're going to move him inside. We're going to put him next to a, a second-year guy who really never played inside. Um, and we're going to do something that's never been done before in the NFL, and we're going to make it work. And guess what? It hasn't worked. So what he needs to do is look at his roster and be like, what's the most important piece of this roster? Kyler Murray. Awesome. How do you make sure Kyler Murray plays the best of his ability? You protect him. And that's why, it's, that's why I'm so hard-headed on the fact that You find an offensive lineman that you were supposed to do two years ago. This is still, like, this is back taxes. This is back pay from what was supposed to happen 700 days ago. So that's why it's a little bit more pressing, because this is a good wide receiver draft. And they probably should take Drake London or Garrett Wilson. Garrett Wilson's going to be gone before that. You know, a wide receiver at 23. This is the time for it, because the offense is now in a different position. But you didn't do what you were supposed to do two years ago, and last year, so now you have to pay the penance for that by drafting somebody when it would be really fun to draft somebody else. Because 23 is a great wide receiver draft position. And they can't afford to draft a wide receiver, in my opinion, because of what they didn't do the last two years.
0: one 100%. Look, you nailed everything on the head, but I – and. Like like I said, look, you just you open my eyes completely to see more of the side more of the eyes of what's it like to be in, in uh, the inside of the Red Sea in the in the valley in Arizona. But anyway, Alex, it was great to get to talk to you today, but before I let you go, where can people find you on social media and where can people find the podcast?
1: Find me at Clancy's corner on Twitter. um you can follow the podcast at locked on AZ cards and just search locked on Cardinals on YouTube. Um, yeah,
0: awesome. that's it. That is it. That is it. Well, anyway, also I would have said Jamison Williams of the Cardinals, but I want him on New England, so that's why I avoided that. Well, yeah, and he's gonna
1: miss he's gonna miss so much of the year. It's like, do you wanna do you wanna have a first-round pick for a guy who tore his ACL in the last college football game?
0: Exactly. And then there's Don Mechie too, but hopefully he's ready by training camp, but he's gonna be a day two guy. Um, well, anyway, folks, that's uh, that's gonna wrap it up for today's episode number 155 of YWC football talk. Thanks once again to my guest, F. Alex Clancy of Locked On Cardinals, for coming on. I'm Griff Bordegon, and I'll see you guys in the next podcast.
2: Do, did, will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Crier Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, undercurrent podcast, NBC Sports.